Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by the people who act last in initiative. Oh, that's not fair. That one got me because it's true. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I was, dude, I was literally sat here like, he's not going to get me this week. He's not going to get me this week. And then you said something that was just too true. <laughs> To be honest, I kind of stumbled there for a minute because I got about three of these written down. It's like, and, I, and at last minute, it's like, shit, which one am I doing? <laughs> well, you succeeded. You got me. So let me cross that one off. For <laughs> I've still got. I've still got. How many have I got? One, two, three, four. Already, already. Oh my god. Prepared. I'm gonna have at least one week where you don't break me. Well, we can. You can certainly try. You can. Oh, you can certainly try. Right. So my name is John Santana, and I am still Justin. Still Justin. I am indeed. indeed. Yeah. All right. How you been keeping good, buddy? I've been good, dude. I've just been working a lot, um, and yeah, kind of trying to trying to sort out some stuff. I've had a lot of ideas recently. I've been trying okay. to kind of put pen to paper. Nothing quite ready to share yet, but there is stuff in the pipeline, which I'm excited about. We like about. stuff. We do, we like, do stuff. like stuff. Stuff is good. Stuff is always um, good. And yeah, so that that's primarily what I've been doing is um, I, I've been, I, I was chatting to uh, a, a friend of ours, uh, their son, because um, he's in a D&D group at his school. They've got like an after school club for, for like tabletop games and that, that sort of thing um and they basically it's, it's a really cool system actually they take it in turns to dm um, okay so they they kind of like go in like a rotation okay. um so they all get a little bit of experience doing bits and pieces and kind of I, I was sitting with him chatting about it um and it was kind of like some he was kind of giving me some ideas that he's done and some of them i was like oh that's really cool but if i tweaked it slightly i could use that <laughs> You know the age-old uh, yoink and twist um, that DMs oh, do to yes. each other's content. No, they get, they get, yeah. The um, yoink and, twist. and then me and him sat down and we came up with a, a really, really frustrating series of puzzle rooms for players, um, which will be a lot of fun once I've put pen to paper on how that will actually work. Um, okay. But the concept is there and it's really, really funny. <laughs> I always try to stay away from from puzzle rooms because. I always end up getting myself so frustrated uh, <laughs> at, at what I've created, and then the players will come along, and I, my my worst nightmare is spending hours designing a puzzle. Then all of a sudden, some one of them goes, "Oh, it's seven. <laughs> oh yes, I, I yeah, this is easy, and it's like, oh, fuck off. Oh, well, you see, that, that, that's where uh, me having the like the physical models and stuff for my table um, comes in handy because what I tend to do is if I've built a puzzle room, I'll actually build the puzzle um as a, a like a terrain piece so they actually have to solve it in like for realsies like they have to put things in like using um like electronics and sensors and stuff um or, like magnets and sensors and electronics mm. um you can actually have it like interact so they put like a a piece that they got in a different room on the shelf that is meant to go on and then it like the magnet in it triggers like completes the circuit and like turns on a light or whatever you like there's loads of different things but like yeah so i actually like physically make the puzzle um okay to solve so it kind of adds that extra layer i think oh yeah that's great it just seems like that 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 is far too much work for me to put into it. <laughs> um, yeah narrative yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I've got I've got my electronics qualifications. I'm sure I could do plenty of you shit. You absolutely but... could. <laughs> cannot be fucked. But you had some very exciting stuff over the weekend. So how was that? It was really good. Um, we played a um, a Pathfinder Society special mm-hmm. where three. It was. It ended up three tables of ours ended up playing as the same scenario. Yes. I liked it. I liked the way it came together. Um, the scenario itself could have been a bit better, to be fair. But it did kind of work in in the sense of right, we've got these many victories. Let's let's carry on, and uh, uh, essentially that's how it works. Mm. You you accumulate victories, yeah, and then that has an overall effect. Um. It was probably made easier at my table because we had someone who was rolling absolute fucking rocks. <laughs> you know, just everything. So the opposite of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the the big fucking um, sort of end encounter came about and the major threat of that encounter didn't even last a round. Wow. It was like, yeah, this guy was this guy was playing a fighter, and she just ran in and just oh, absolutely totaled it. That's mm. the dream. But after <laughs> that, it was like, okay, so we've finished. Can we like do more to to kind of up our successes? Yeah, yeah, yeah fine. We did another version, like nice, you know, threw in some more creatures. Mm. But it was good. It was also the first time I'd completely relied on obsidian. Yeah um that's to kind of uh transferred the entire sort of scenario onto obsidian um i had obsidian as my rules sort of um mm-hmm. look up all my encounters were were on there all the stat blocks so yeah it was it was good it was you know good to kind of use use obsidian for more than what i've been using it so it was yeah. it was a lot of fun man oh that's awesome dude i'm, I'm glad you had fun and I, I know uh, for a fact that somebody else had fun because uh, I got a message from somebody there, but we'll get to that later on. Really? I did. I did indeed. I got a message. Uh, so I, I mentioned before we started recording <laughs> that I've got something to turn the tables on you when we go to Couch's Corner later. Um, has, has, it, has, somebody from, be, has somebody betrayed Somebody me? has not only betrayed you, they call you out by name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will not call them out by name. Um, but they, they have, they've sent in a question and wanted to turn the tables on you and, uh, let I'm me gonna, have access to the question and not you. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I'm a hundred percent comfortable. With it. <laughs> uh, I am cause I, I'm in a position of power for a change on this recording and I like it. I, I understand yeah. why you don't let me read the questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable with this. I'm not going to lie. It's, um, I'm, I'm not used to being powerless. <laughs> well, but. Speaking I, I, of powerless, <laughs> oh, carry on. Did carry you see on. that little segue there? That was um, a good segue. We we mentioned uh, in a previous recording about the Magic: The Gathering One Ring card. We did. It's we been did. found and graded. Has it? It has indeed. the The person who found it has requ- uh, requested to remain anonymous. So we don't know no, who's no found shit. it for obvious reasons. I mean, there was a two million like dollar bounty on the card for crying out loud. Was that um, still, was that the highest one? That was the, the highest. That was the highest one that came out. Yeah, from the the Spanish 
the uh, Gremio de Dragones. I'll let you say it being a Spanish person yourself. There you go, there you go. Um, the and they, they Gremio in... de Dragones. Well, no, it wasn't just two million. Let's not forget, they threw in something on top. A home-cut paella. Exactly. Uh, so we don't know whether that offer's been taken up or not. Um, all we know is that the card has been uh, found. It's been sent in for grading by PSA. Um, it was graded a mint nine. So it didn't get 10, even though it's a brand new card. And there's a lot of speculation on why. Um, because it's foil, sometimes they start curling like in the packaging still. Um, so it could just be from that. We don't really know. But we do know it's been found. It's been graded. So everyone, you can stop spending the, $500 a pack to buy those. Or the, or the person blew his load when he opened oh, it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> sitting at home, opening Magic the Gathering cards, and you pull a card that's been like got a two million dollar bounty on it that for me would be one of those situations where i would be completely numb to it yeah because i just sit there i just sit yeah. there and stare at it for a couple of hours you've got to I wonder how go, long he did just sit there going huh? no no way huh? no <laughs> what <laughs> um, um yeah and I, I'd, I'd go back and i check the the websites yeah. again so yeah two million okay yeah, okay yeah, okay right. uh right. i got some phone calls to make <laughs> um I, I can confirm it was neither one of us no it, um, i'm the fact that i'm still here exactly right now. <laughs> the fact that we are sitting here recording this means it was not us because uh, if i'd pulled that card i'd be off spending two million dollars i would not be here recording uh, no, I'd, I wouldn't be here recording. I'd just pay somebody to record for me. <laughs> there would be new hosts of the show. We would not be here anymore. It would just be some random Spanish dude. The production would go up massively. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, let's, let's not go crazy. <laughs> well, no, we, we could hire people to edit for us. We wouldn't have to do the editing. It'd be either. some <laughs> random Spanish dude going, hello, my name is John. <laughs> so exactly the same as now. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Just it's hard to find a Spaniard with a Northern English accent. It's true. It's very difficult. I've tried. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so was I not enough for you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that's uh, that, that's a little, like I said, a little bit disappointing because it's 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 found the the hunt is over. So there's no more. Um, Will, will it be found question it's it, it's it's out there now what what i think the funniest thing ever would have been was if wizards and come on let's be honest they've got no scruples so <laughs> it, it would be realistic for them to just kind of go yeah yeah we've got this card it's one of a kind and then just didn't put it out there <laughs> oh dude like that that's like um you know the the mcdonald's monopoly stuff i'm convinced <laughs> They don't put out the the one that's got like the the five hundred grand or whatever you know like the top prize one. I'm convinced you, they don't put out the other one. <laughs> just imagine people buying these packs for five hundred dollars a piece. Yeah, it's like oh, you were close. You were close. Oh, you were so close, my guy. Next there's pack. Not, there's not many left. <laughs> it's got to be in the next pack, surely. <laughs> and like everyone's just sitting there going like, well, somebody must have just pulled it and not known what they had. <laughs> That would be hilarious. Could you, that like, for me would be the funniest thing ever. Dude, there's got to be like super rare cards like that where that's happened. Like, I, I think, wasn't there, um, there was a Pokemon card back in the day, like way, way back when, right? When Pokemon cards were first a thing. They, they had like an ancient Mew card. They only made like seven of in the world. 
before they did like a promo one when the 2000 film came out. I've not heard that. Mm. And I, I just wonder like how many of, how many people opened that card, thought it was just a promo card and binned it. <laughs> You've got to wonder because it didn't yeah. look like any other po- like Pokemon card that existed ever. So you would, you would be right in assuming like looking at it, there's just some kind of promo. Yeah, I mean, unless you kind of, you know, you follow those things closely. I think it, years ago, it was probably a lot easier because, yeah. you know, the internet wasn't as big and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all that. Now, I guess you'd be pretty hard to come by because especially with those packs costing like $500 for 12 packs, right? No, Nobody who's yeah. like a casual collector is buying those. Yeah, that's insanity. Yeah. Just that price tag alone. Oh, I mean, $500 for 12 packs and you pull a $2 million card, worth it. <laughs> yeah yeah but that's not how that economy necessarily works it's exactly how it works john don't question it <laughs> but yeah congratulations to whoever found it indeed um i hope you spend all of that two million dollar dollars on i don't know fun well, stuff hookers or something hookers and blackjack hookers and blackjack <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna make yeah, they're gonna make their own magic the gathering with hookers and blackjack. <laughs> no, because then they get the Pinkertons round. <laughs> yeah, for hookers and blackjack. <laughs> it's, it's a win all round. <laughs> Kyle Brink knocking on the door. Have you got any spare? You know, I'm just I was in the I was in the neighborhood. I was nearby. Uh... I was nearby and I just I just heard there were hookers and blackjack here. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah that is that is cool that is, is really cool yeah. for whoever whoever found that whoever card. yeah whoever it is captain anonymous we shall call them captain anonymous. captain anonymous congratulations um so i've got i do have a question for you interesting i, I always love a question you know this um because i did see this crop up and you know it seemed newsworthy to me mm-hmm. But not enough for me to actually do any investigating into. <laughs> um, the best kind of news, gotcha. Yeah, the news that I look at and just kind of go, that seems like a Justin job. <laughs> um, it was um, the new 1D&D playtest document. Yes. I have had a little read through of it. Good, I'm uh, glad one of us has. Not, I haven't read all of it because there's 77 pages um, and I only got access to it on my D&D Beyond account earlier today so i've read it whilst working um but i i see that they did release the changes to monk which look pretty cool um they've addressed a few of the issues that monks had in 5e um however they have done something in this playtest which i absolutely love and i find it hilarious because obviously they don't want to call it one dnd anymore right they just want to call it dnd and they want to kind of get rid of the whole uh, like 5e, 4e, 3.5, they want to get rid of all of that. There's no more versions, it's just D&D, right? That's what they're trying to do. So they know, they don't even refer to stuff from 5e as the changes from D&D 5e. They will put in, as per D&D 2014, <laughs> like rulebook. So they're just referring to it as the rulebook that came out in 2014. So they're not even referring to 5e as 5e, that's just the D&D rulebook from that year. And that is so cool and so clever because it's a way of kind of, yeah, that was 5e. That's what we called it then. Now it's just the D&D rulebook that existed at that time. And these are the changes we're making from it. 
Uh, <laughs> I like it. I'd, honestly, I'm not invested enough in D&D. I know you're not. The shit. Um, but <laughs> I, I do see it a, a lot like, okay, so we're not going to have additions, but we are. We're just going to call them different things. I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's no different really to, if you look at like video games, right? They like they'll release expansions but even in those expansions they'll release like patch notes and like patches to to fix things and stuff like that that's mm. the way i see them kind of doing D now they're not doing it as like this is a new version of the game they're just when they release changes it's just going to be a patch on the, the existing game um is i think the best way of looking at it but saying that that just reminds me of that old um only fools and horses episode where they're all sat around the pub and triggers on about how he's had the same broom for 25 years yeah i mean he's you know he's changed changed the handle changed the he's changed the handle seven times in the head four yeah it's fine yeah it's fine um but you know uh, so you i mean like you said you haven't really i haven't read through all of it so i've i've had a little look through the the bits that were i was interested in in picking up on um so the classes that are included in this this playtest is uh they've got the changes for bard cleric they've made some more changes to druid which are i did read through because those were quite a hot topic on the last playtest if you remember yeah we agreed and apparently no one else did well they've changed it and i'll go through the changes again in a second um yeah well not like majorly go through them but i'll give you kind of the the high level changes that they've made um, mm-hmm. They've also included Monk, Paladin, Ranger, and Rogue in this set. Um, okay. And they've also got two new um, subclasses. One for Bard, which is the College of Dance, and the Circle of the Sea for the Druids, which I haven't had a chance to read through yet. Um, so a lot of, lot of really good changes, a lot of stuff just kind of carrying over, um, which is to be expected, um, because there was a lot of stuff that just worked um but if i let me just scroll down to the druid bit so the big change that they made um to the druid was the um just kind of flat stat blocks yeah so they've changed that slightly um so it is still using b stat blocks However, there's new rules for how you interact with those stat blocks. Okay. So, uh, using Wild Shape is a bonus action for all druids now, instead of, it used to just be um, for certain uh, circles of druid, you would get the Wild Shape as a bonus action, but every, all the others was an action. Um, and swim speeds are available from as soon as you get Wild Shape. So you don't have to like wait until you're like level 6 before you can get a swim speed animal and stuff. The big change to what they've done for the wild shapes is you have a certain number of animals that you can change into rather than here is a huge list you can change into any of them. Okay. So at second level, you know three forms, and after a long rest, you can change out one of those forms. So it's a bit like preparing your spells as a wizard. So if you know that you're going to be doing a long journey, you can have a form of being a like horse, right? So then you could just be shifted as a horse and get that extra running speed and all that sort of thing. But if you know you're going into like a dungeon, a horse isn't going to be necessarily helpful to you. So you might choose different animals that are going to be better for going into that dungeon. 
So it's quite cool because it gives you a bit more flexibility, but you're also limited as well, so it's not as powerful as it used to be. Yeah. Um, at fourth level, you get four forms, and at eighth level, you get a fifth form. And fly speed at eighth level. Um, okay. And those are limited to uh, a quarter CR at second level. Uh, at fourth level, it goes up to half. And at eighth level, you get one uh, CR creatures or CR1 creatures. Um, but Circle of the Moon Druids, which were always very, very strong because of the wild shape uh, that they had, has also changed slightly. So they still get um, much higher CR creatures that they can change into. The main difference is that instead of being set, it's now your druid level divided by two, I think, is it half? Uh, where was it? I literally read this five minutes ago and I've forgotten it already. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. I've, I can't find it. I believe it's it's half your druid level rounded down. Um, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong on that, I'm sure. But this is the cool part. Combat Wild Shape, um, which is something that Circle of the Moon gets, um, you can now use either your AC or the Beast Form's AC, whichever is higher. So if you've got a really high AC because you're wearing all kinds of armor and stuff, and then you shift into something that normally wouldn't, you can choose to keep your AC and still be hard to hit. Okay, yeah. That's I get pretty that. cool. Um, and then a bunch of other really cool things um, that they've included. But so far from what I've read, I like the change they made. Like the change they made to Monk was uh, my personal favorites. So the big problem that Monks had and always have had in, in D&D, uh, 5e in particular, was um, they didn't have enough key points, right? And then by, right. by the time they hit 20th level, they had too many key points so now your key points are just equal to your monk level so as you go up you're getting more and more but once per long rest uh you get something called heightened metabolism which you get at seventh level where if you rest for a minute you get all the benefits of a short rest so you just take a quick breather between fights and you get all your key points back and everything like that and you can go again but you can only use that once per long rest. So it kind of gives you a quick little, have a breather, get back in the fight. And I quite mm. like that. But then after that, you would still need to take a, a full yeah. short rest to, to get anything back. But mm. I just think that's a really cool way to, to let monks kind of keep up with the other classes. Because how often do you go from combat straight into another combat without any kind of rest in between? Not very. So you should be able to get off that, that little um, heightened metabolism. Um, before going into the next combat, should you need to. Yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Mm. Um, I'm sure you'll be keeping up to it, be, up to date with it, as as we get closer to, to the release. It is about April next year, isn't it? I that's believe that's the target. That's when yes. they're being marked for. Yeah. So, speaking of 5e adjacent, mm -hmm. um, I did a thing. Uh, should I be worried? <laughs> no, um, but do you remember the when uh, I think it was last week I was saying about um, Tales of the Valiant? Yes, they were offering people the opportunity to write um, worlds for their labyrinth. Yes, 
I may have submitted one. Interesting. Yeah, I. Um, it's not exactly the um, the world that I'm designing. However, what it is is my original concept for that. So I I came up with the idea of this world, mm-hmm. and as I've kind of prepared more for this this homebrew setting that I'm doing, I've altered it so that it kind of fits into what my needs are yeah as a um you know as the person running it and uh, and the campaigns i want to run in this world so it has um it has altered but it did stem from this idea i had Mm. and i yeah i decided to submit it well so that could yes. be a tasty bit of news in the future, then. Could be. I do, I genuinely doubt it. Hey, but... you never know. But I mean, that was it. I mean, that was kind of what was stopping me. It was me going, ah, it's never gonna, it's never gonna amount to anything, and that was what was stopping me. But I realised that That's you know, a silly this is something. To take. Yeah, and it's something that I have been awarded the right to do because mm. I've actually kickstarted this. Yeah. So I decided to, yeah, fuck it, give it a go. Um, So I have uploaded the world of Sevenetium. Okay. And it is a modern world depleted of resources, found an alternative deep below the surface. Mm. A seemingly unlimited source of arcane power which fueled the renaissance of the population. Hundreds of peaceful and prosperous years later, it was discovered that this energy was, in fact, the magical prison holding a great evil. With the walls weakened, this entity escaped, decimating almost all life on the planet. The pantheon of gods who watched over this realm could not help as they were slaughtered by the being they had imprisoned eons ago. Somehow, however, the world did not end. Two halves of this broken planet together remain in an endless cosmic dance, separated by what is known only as the chasm. Few have ventured down, none have returned. Only evil, twisted creatures emerge from the chasm, and no one knows why the world still holds together, and perhaps no one ever will. Hundreds of years have passed, and the landscape has changed. Remnants of past technologically advanced civilizations remain, whilst the few survivors, humans, dwarves, elves, and halflings, have begun began to repopulate where they can. It is a dark, godless existence in which no one truly knows why they were spared from complete and utter destruction. Oh, I like that, though, dude. You say you don't think you've got it. I think that's a great fucking world. I'd play in that world. Yeah, I, I, I've, I don't know. I've, yeah, I think I'm my own worst critic, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely you are. But, dude, that sounds amazing. I would yeah. absolutely play that. Uh, anyway, I will keep you posted. Yes, um, please again, do. Again, I don't exactly have high hopes, but if anything is to come from it, uh, you guys will be the first to know. Yeah, I look forward to it. So, um, we have this year's Origins Award winners. We do indeed. Um, but there's obviously Origins kind of caters for a lot of the sort of nerdverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so only a small portion of it um, relates to tabletop RP- um, RPGs. 
but um, the winners in the RPG um, sort of sections of it are Coyote and Crow. Yes. Which we've mentioned previously. And it, it looked very awesome. Yeah, I think that... Did we ever add that to the list? We didn't because I think uh, there was a reason we didn't. Oh, because we added in the rule of things that we're absolutely, definitely 100% going to buy. And yeah, we weren't, we weren't think... 100% <laughs> absolutely, definitely going to buy it yet. This is now like two awards in. Yeah, I think it, we probably <laughs> no, should no. definitely, absolutely, 100% buy it. Correction. It's one award and one nomination. <laughs> I'm finalist, but even so, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, Coyote and Crow won for ROG Core Rules. Um, Agents of Dune by Modifius Entertainment mm-hmm. won for the R- RPG Supplement. And Pathfinder Savage Worlds box set for their graphic design. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations to those winners. Yes. And Coyote and Crow, we are coming for you. We are. We are going to put that on the list in the near future, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just I'm going to add that now. <laughs> hey, day is coming up. <laughs> so, I mean, so. We, we have also, in speaking of, you know, awards, because obviously awards for things are normally firsts. I think this would classify as a first in the world of video games anyway. That a uh, a video game is changing its release date forwards. Fuck off. I wish I was kidding. I don't actually. I'm very happy about this. So, well, forwards and backwards. I, I'll clarify that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the D&D video game, Baldur's Gate 3, right? They have tweaked their release dates slightly. Um, because the PS5 version, they want to spend a bit more time mastering it for the, like getting that port over, like perfect. So it works properly and there's no issues or anything like that. So they've pushed the PS5 release date back to September 6th. However, the PC release date has been pulled forward by almost a month. So originally both versions were meant to release on August 31st. PC version is now going to be released on August 3rd. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. And well, I mean, definitely it's, a first. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> no, I suppose it does make sense. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I like as well that rather than just pushing both back, like the PC version's ready, so let's release it. And then where we can focus solely on the PS5 version. Right, but it's also it is also an opportunity to see if there's anything with the release exactly that, that they can patch that they need to mend exactly that. And I, I think it's I mean well the game's been out in in early release for quite some time already. Um, so it, it's been an early access on PC for over two years already. So they've been getting a lot of feedback from you know the the, the player base on things up till now anyway. Um, yeah, and they've they've obviously taken that all on board because feedback's been really good on it um so yeah and one of the things that they've actually said is they've always been a studio that aims to release on as many platforms as possible in order of readiness reaching a technical bar that matches our design ambitions felt like the right move while holding back the pc version when we knew we'd be ready felt like the wrong move in such a busy launch period and i think that's a really really good way of looking at it right pc version's ready let's put it out and we'll release ps5 version as soon as it's ready Perfect. 
yeah i mean if if there's a market that's already clamoring for it exactly. and and you don't have anything impeding you from release then the, the they'd be silly not to exactly. you know but yeah fair play um i'm assuming you're going to be investing absolutely i'll be buying it um purely purely based on this right so ahead of the launch uh the company that's developing it larian studios uh have released some fun little informational tidbits about how big the game is its script spans more than two million words that is over three times the length of all three lord of the rings books combined and it has over 170 hours of cutscenes that's it's a huge game That is impressive. Although, is it like a Metal Gear Solid seven and a half hours of cutscenes where you don't quite get to fucking play? Well, I don't know. I mean, if they've got that much content, I would think that there's pro. And I mean, based on previous Baldur's Gate games, because I have played a few in the past, they are very open worldy, which might explain why they've got so many cutscenes. Because with it being a so open worldy, you can go and do so many different things. You need to prep for. It's basically they've written a huge adventure path um, yeah. and they've tried to think of everything that we could do as players and it's our job as players to prove them wrong. So that's, my advice yeah, to all of you, enough. buy the game, prove them wrong, find something they didn't think of. Uh, <laughs> I've, ne- I've never played any of the Baldur's Gate games, um, but really good. apparently, and I may be wrong in saying this, the, um, the Pathfinder, like, uh, Kingmaker and Wrath of the Righteous games were heavily inspired by them. Um, so if it's any, if they are anything like that, then yeah, it could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I played the original Baldur's Gate like back when it first first came out many moons ago when I was younger, um, back in 1998. <laughs> um, I, so I played that one when it first came out because I was really into my action RPGs and stuff back then. So I was playing a lot of like Diablo and. and stuff like that um, and it was an awesome game i really enjoyed it um so i'm very much looking forward to seeing what they are capable of doing now well definitely keep us updated i shall uh, okay so also um big news this past week mm-hmm. um the pathfinder they say pathfinder maker but let's let's ignore that <laughs> um the orc license yes. has been released it is out in the wild yes. it is now ready to be used it's finished it is finished so that is that is a huge step it is and I, you know I obviously wish i was more legally inclined so i could actually have a valid yeah exactly. it's one of these things it's like this is awesome i really want to know what this is going um from what i gather a lot of people a lot of the comments have been this is what the ogl should have been or this is what the ogl was in spirit yeah um it just happened to turn out that no it wasn't so yeah it's it's definitely definitely a, um quite a momentous occasion um as per everything you know you're gonna get people who which is weird which is a weird reaction to to have on a license which is optional to use 
And people are going, oh, yeah, it's, it sucks, and it's dead in the water. It's like, yeah, does it matter to you? Yeah, but I think that's that's just, um, it, it, it's the reaction the other way, isn't it? From from the people that are more on the wizard side than even I am, right? Where they're just like, oh, no, this is just no good because it's not wizards, right? You're always going to get people like that. Um, you know, it's something that doesn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. I mean, we even had it with, like, with, the the OGL as well. There were people that don't even create homebrew content that were getting upset about the rules about homebrew content. So it doesn't affect you. You don't make homebrew content. <laughs> it's the, the same argument could be had for, for that as well, you know. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the, what they had for homebrew content was right. I'm just going to clarify that now. Um, it was wrong. It was absolutely <laughs> wrong. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Justin 100 supported. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast destroying the hobby. Um, you know, but it, it's one of those things where people like. I mean, I, I see it all the time as well. In so I, I play a lot of old school RuneScape, right? Um, and one of the things that that happens a lot in that is any content that gets added to the game goes through a polling system in the game, right? So all the players vote on whether stuff should or shouldn't be built and introduced to the game. Hmm. Any content that comes into the polls based around PvP immediately gets downvoted by everybody that doesn't do pvp really purely based on they believe and it's just not true because the jagex have said this numerous times they believe that if pvp stuff gets put through the polls it's going to take away resources from developing the pve elements of the game which means the rest of the game will suffer People make up all kinds of logic to justify their position on something. <laughs> is the point of that story. <laughs> yeah, but that is true. I mean, you don't only see it in this media. Oh, you see everywhere. it in, in, yeah. in everywhere. People justify the weirdest fucking stances. Yeah, like uh, like some, some people getting upset about the interpretation of like a comic book character in another medium. It's like, that's not how that character should be. It's like, it's a fictional character. They can do whatever they want with it. That's the whole point of a fictional character. Oh, yeah. And th um, there's, let's just say there is a certain political inclination that seemed to be more adverse to certain changes. Yeah, um, that's where we'll leave that one, I think. <laughs> are, you, are you afraid I might say something to offend a few people? Absolutely. Because, <laughs> I, cause, yeah, I, I will. But I know it you does will. kind of lead me into... Um, next the topic. next thing I yeah. can I wanted to bring up, and these are two things that I saw independently, but they do kind of tie into mm. to one another. Um, and the first one was it's not news; it is just an article that someone posted on on a dice breaker, mm -hmm. right? And and it was the in this sort of day and age in this sort of climate in this in this sort of wave of change of cultural sensitivity sensibility even that um that we're seeing that it is important to have cultural consultants mm -hmm. in in this industry so in a nutshell a cultural consultant would be somebody who you paid to basically go over the work that you are wanting to produce that you are wanting to put out into the world mm -hmm. to see if there's anything problematic 
to see if there's anything that can be construed as problematic that can be um that can upset people and they would it would be their job to act as editors in that respect to kind of go no you shouldn't really do that yeah. um which then led me to another article that i found like just when was it it was yesterday i think on mastodon um someone posted another article which kind of led into that mm. and it was it shared a it shared a philosophy but at the same time it kind of went a bit further and that would be sensitivity readers yeah all right and the two things they kind of would work hand in hand where you have you'd have like the cultural consultant to to kind of give things an overview mm -hmm. of kind of going right that may be problematic that may not be that you know yeah the this 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 heritage that you've included has some severely racial overtones yeah. that you may not want to put into your science fantasy book <coughs> wizards of the coast um <laughs> And you may need to look into that. Whereas sensitivity readers would be people who were specialised in a particular topic. Yeah. So, like, the, the example that they use here is, like, for example, if you are wanting to write something in which you have zero experience whatsoever you get a sensitivity reader in to kind of advise you. Yeah. You know, I mean, just to, to put it down in its simplest form, if you are a man who is trying to write things from a women's perspective, get a woman to take a second look. Yeah. And that can work for all types of things, all types of um, people and all types of things that people in their actual lives have experienced. If you have not had experience in a certain matter, then get a second opinion. Yeah, I think that's that, that is exactly like you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like it, it's one of those things that and I think it doesn't just work for for this space either. Right. It, it's pretty much anything. If you've never experienced something, you don't truly understand what that is, right? You don't understand that. Um, and you, you can do your best to like empathize or, or see a particular way of thinking or anything like that, but you'll never truly understand it because you can't. It, it, it's one of those things where it, it, it's, it's anything. Until you've actually experienced something, you will never understand that experience, right? Um, exactly. And I, I think that is actually something really, really cool that companies are now recognizing that um, and that th these kind of positions have actually started to become commonplace uh, or a lot more commonplace, I should say. Um, they're not commonplace yet, but they're getting there. <laughs> they are. And it makes sense from a business perspective. Yeah. You Absolutely. know, like, for example, like, for example, the problems that Spelljammer had, mm -hmm. right? Now, I don't believe for a second that any of what was published was intentional. No. Um, it was short-sightedness. Yeah. It was not having the right set of eyes on the product 
before you made it public. And yes, this will incur an additional production cost. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, how much would Wizards have had to pay? Well, yeah, it, to rectify the mistake after publishing. It's exactly that. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things, right? Where it, it, it's it's something that I've always learned when it comes to business. And that is, if you can pay for something to not be a problem later, it will always be cheaper than paying for it when it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's what's the 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 phrase in or what's the in in English? It's um, penny wise, pound foolish. Where you you do something to save money, yeah. but in the it long run, it's going to exactly cost that. you more. Yeah. And if if you are a producer, if you are a a you know, in our in our space, a tabletop role playing develop a game developer, mm. then yeah, fork out the extra however much it may cost yeah. to hire a few people. Just just get give a, it a month of... over. Make sure that you're not doing anything that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, um, get a cult- cultural consultant in. Let them take a look at it, mm-hmm. and then kind of go. Yeah, you may need to bring an additional person in to to take a look at this, for example. Yeah. Or, or that and you know just have that sort of forethought yeah and in, in into covering your bases because and, and the, know, the thing now... as well right is it, it could honestly be something as well like what you were saying with the you know with, with the spelljammer stuff where it's not even something that you might have realized could be problematic right you could have just put something in as a something you thought would be a fun little tidbit to give some flavor, but to somebody from that, that has been in that space, right? It, it's a huge trigger that, that brings up a lot of stuff for them. And having somebody just give it that one time and go, oh, actually tweak this slightly. It just saves you so yeah. much hassle. Yeah, and it just, it makes sense. I mean, you've you've now got people who have voices who haven't had voices previously and they're not afraid to use them and that's what i love about this age you know people get called out on their bullshit all the time i'm surprised i haven't to be fair (laughs) (laughs) no because you know i'll tell you why you haven't been called out on your bullshit because with you it's not bullshit I don't know. Maybe some people would make it. I, I, I don't want to proclaim anything that, that may not be true. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, we're living in a different age now. We're living in a better age than we have done previously. And these things are important. And these sort of things, these sort of elements that previously have been kind of brushed brushed away um now get you know held accountable and and i mean it it, that's the thing as well it's not even like it's you know that they're going to come in and say you cannot talk about this right because there is still a way to talk about sensitive subjects and have them in your in your content and in your systems like that you've just got to handle them correctly right because that 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 is, I think, an important definition to, to make as well, right? Is these people aren't just going to come in and say, 
get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that. What they'll do is they're going to work with you to make it not be, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, they're basically going to work with you to make sure that it, it is handled delicately and handled in a way that is respectful. Yeah. And, and just to, I just wanted to make that definition there because I know a lot of people would look at something like that and then go, oh, this world's gone to the snowflakes everywhere. Blah, blah. Like that's not what it is, right? It's just being respectful of people's lives. Um, exactly. And, and there's a way to still talk about these things and still be respectful. And that's the important part. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, and I don't want to. I don't want it to to seem like we're we're bagging on these companies, um, except for Wizards of the Coast. I'll bag on them all day long. But um, you know, these companies, Wizards of the Coast included, um, have had missteps. Mm-hmm. Paizo has had yeah. missteps, and they have made um efforts to correct those missteps that i think the one that springs to mind for me was um pathfinder and the slavery Mm -hmm. issue and it was i think what kicked it off was one tweet from one guy who went hey paizo love your stuff the fuck but you've got (laughs) yeah you've got a slavery problem and that was enough to kind of get people talking yeah. and for Paizo to kind of go shit <laughs> <laughs> okay so from now on any published materials will not feature this topic in any way shape or form yeah um we apologize there are things that have been published there are things that are going to be published that are, are imminently released where it's a bit late to change that, but we are making a commitment that from this day forward, any new products that we develop will not contain any topic of slavery. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's exactly this kind of thing that would be avoided if they had just kind of gone, well, let's give somebody to give us a month over. Yeah, exactly. Had, had there been somebody in place at the time, To kind of go, which I'm sure they hey, have, guys. <laughs> guys, I've read about seven of your books, and there seems to be an, an over. You <laughs> there know, seems an to be a bit of a trend theme. here, guys. Um, is there something you want to tell me? Like, am I not getting a paycheck at the end of the month? Or <laughs> <laughs> and oddly enough, they're union. <laughs> Funny that. Funny that. But yeah, it is. It is hugely important and, you know, we can't profess to know everything. Um, So get people who do know more than you involved. Yeah. You know, lean on the people who've got more experience in certain matters, who've got a better critical eye, Mm -hmm. who are a third party to your company, who will do you know, make their decisions without bias and yeah, do things right first time around yeah. or at least aim to, yeah. you know, cause I'm, you know, I don't think this is going to solve all problems. No, of course not. I mean, there's always going to be something that gets missed or, or, you know, something that 
at the time of writing wasn't problematic, but later on becomes problematic. I mean, we've seen that a lot with, um, you know, a, a lot of popular culture stuff from you know, the 80s, the 70s, 60s. The further you go back, the more and more of it there is, because at the time there was nothing culturally wrong with what they did. But as time progresses, things change, right? Um, and I think that's also an yeah, important just, thing to... Just want to slightly correct you on saying, yes, there was something culturally yeah, okay. wrong, no, no, no. but the climate wasn't too... No, no, no. So there, there, was some, there was something wrong with what they were doing, but culturally it wasn't seen as wrong. Just to make... Yeah, that, exactly. that, that's, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that, yeah. No, um... I mean, have, have you ever seen... Have you seen Friends lately? Yes. The amount of shit in yes. that program, because <laughs> I mean, I think we all we're all guilty of. Oh, I just need to chuck something on for background. Yeah, I mean, I, I do it all the time. Um, I, I do it while I'm Friends working. Friends is one. Big Bang Theory yeah. is another. And you see all these shows which aren't necessarily that old. I mean, you say that, dude. But, Friends was over thirty uh, years ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> Friends is 30 years old, my dude. <laughs> oh, it, 10 years ago was the 90s, dude. No, it wasn't. That's the depressing part. <laughs> but yeah, you watch the you watch these things and, and you just see these odd episodes and it's like, oof. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there, there is. There's going to be things that haven't aged well. <laughs> and it, it's, I think the important thing is being able to change with the times, right? So... If you've put out something that at the moment is not seen as wrong culturally, um, when, you know, it very well might be, and it's just, we need another cultural shift, right? Um, when that shift happens, make the shift. Um, now, does that mean doing what Plyzo did and just blanket saying we're removing all mention of that at all ever from our content? I don't always think that's the right way to go because that kind of like those kind of things did still happen, right? They are a real thing. I think they just need to be handled properly. Um, I like, I like the way Vesson kind of dealt with mm -hmm. it. Um, you read the Vesson core rule book and Vesson is a game that is um, set in Sweden um i think it's like uh, late 1800s yes, we, i think we mentioned it last week i think we were talking about there was more rules for it or something oh yeah yeah there is i'm looking forward to yeah. that but um in this in the current setting they've actually have a paragraph where it kind of states um we recognize that the time frame in which this is set was problematic to say the least yeah where you know um certain attitudes towards race towards gender sexuality mm. were wrong yeah. this does not exist in our world <laughs> it was like this does not exist this is a fantasy game yeah. so this is the fantasy that we live in and i thought that was it's a bold move but a fucking good yeah move. And, and that's the thing right is I think that is something as well that people do need to perhaps consider when when looking at some of this stuff is is it trying to be insensitive or is it just reflecting a world that could exist somewhere because a lot of the the games that we're playing are fantasy worlds that don't actually physically exist anywhere apart from in your mind 
So there is always that question as well of, is it maybe something that you are bringing to it that isn't actually there? Because I know that's something I do quite often. If I look at something that I've gotten a strong opinion about, I find it very difficult to see past that opinion when I'm reading it, right? Yeah. Um, and th that's just human nature. Once you've got an opinion on something, it's very difficult to break that opinion. Uh, very very yeah. few people are, are capable of looking at something, realizing they're wrong, going, well, shit, I was wrong. And, you know, I have insane respect to people who could do that. I struggle with it myself. Um, but there are people out there who can, and like I said, mad respect to them. But there is also a, an element of, I think, to a degree, people may also have to look at things as long as it's not directly being insensitive, right? If it is just a genuine, this is what, this is something that happened in that world. Um, it's not always necessarily problematic. No, it isn't. Um, but it's not, it's not on the individual to, to kind of make that call. It becomes problematic when a certain group of people turn around and kind of go, yeah, you see this? Yeah. Wrong. And that's when you have to pivot. No, absolutely. And yeah. I've done it in my personal mm -hmm. life. You know, um, there are things that I'm a lot more considerate of now than I was when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, massively. Um, and I, I think that's an important thing to have. And I do agree with you that not, not everybody has that ability. Yes. Um, I thankfully do. Lucky I'm, I'm quite proud <laughs> of being able to say, I'll, I can read up on something and kind of go, oh shit. Okay. Um, right. That's changed my opinion on certain things. Except for wizards, right? <laughs> See, that's, yeah, that's, gonna be, that's always going to be a point of contention. Every time you're like, so I can change my opinion, I'm just going to be like, wizards, and then just move on. Like... <laughs> okay, so I can change my opinion on everything except for wizards. There we go. That's, that's the distinction I was looking for. I, that's where I draw the line. It's like, no, no, you are wrong. This, <laughs> this, these people are wrong. Oh. <laughs> Right. Let's lighten things up. Let's head over to the couch. <laughs> Let's head over to the couch. Now, here's the question. Do you want to go first or should no, I? No, no, first? you go first. I want to keep the power as long as I can. Okay, you enjoy. I will. You enjoy, you, you enjoy me sweating. I shall. Um, <laughs> I really should have loaded this up. <laughs> well, okay, if you haven't loaded it up, then I'll go first because I've, I've already got it up. I was prepared for a change. Oh no, because I've got I've got an app for it. I've got no. I'll, I'll let you keep the all power. Right, we'll right. just we'll just vamp for the minute it's going to take <laughs> me to bring up. Oh. Okay, so couch once again. He has written in from a more wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> than you found before. And Couch has asked, when running a long campaign over six months as a time frame, when is the make or break point, for example, um, drop off from non-interest, mm. schedule clashes, commitments? How do you combat this? What are, you, what are your thoughts on I, that? I personally don't think there is a cutoff time. Um, it, it's... It's one of those things for me where 
you you can lose interest and investment in something at any point um that might just be me i am quite odd with that sort of thing but that could just be my adhd brain um so for me it's something that i need i need to be invested in an element that is running throughout if that element goes i lose interest in the whole thing um and it sucks. I hate it, but that's the way my brain works, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, so personally, for me, there is no cutoff. I, I could, I could get bored of it a week in. I could get bored of it six months in. Um, so I'm probably not the best person to ask on this one because, because it's the way my <laughs> brain works. Fair enough. Um, I, I think. I think early on you can start seeing signs mm. of people's interest and, and people's sort of um, willingness to sort of partake. Yeah. Um, for me, I think once I get to a point where I'm chasing players, that's when I get the hint and just kind of go, yeah, they're not interested. You know, my current group, if I, if we don't play for a week, I will start getting messages Yeah, from people going, right, so when we're playing next sort of thing. That for me is a, is a good indicator that, oh yeah, they're, they're invested. You know, they want this to carry yeah. on. But if week in, week out, I'm doing, I'm the one kind of going, hey guys, I want to run a game this day. Are you guys going to jump in? Are you guys going to... Um, if I'm the one that's always kind of chasing players around, that's that is when I lose interest as well, because I've got a lot to do. You know, I've got a world to to present. I've got combats to ready. I've got all these things to do, and you know, being in charge of scheduling isn't really down to me. Yeah, I think that the scheduling one is. Uh... Is, is always the tricky one because especially as you get older, you get more and more responsibilities, things start getting in the way. Um, I mean, like our, our game, for example, that I, that I play in with, um, with our, our friend, Chris, um, he runs that, that, that game struggled for a long time to get any kind of regular sessions because he used to work nights sometimes. Right. Um, and when, so depending on his shift patterns, would depend on whether he was available and then depending on like my childcare pattern would depend on whether I was available, depending on some of the other players, childcare patterns, like, you know, once people start getting kids and once all that kind of thing comes into the mix, scheduling becomes very, very difficult. I mean, couch himself. I mean, we've wanted to have him on the show since pretty much day one, but it's trying to schedule it because of his work, right? Cause he works yeah. every fucking hour under the sun. Um, <laughs> I, I literally see him 99% of the time at work and he lives across the road from me. I see him more at his work than I do anywhere else. Um, hmm. so I think that's where scheduling kind of becomes at the whim of the group. Um, and that's where I think what, what Chris has done that I think is quite good is he's expanded the pool of players that he's got in the campaign so that should two people not be able to make it, we can still run. Um, and then it's only if there's a, a bigger failure of, of attendance, really, that we, we don't have enough people to, to actually run, run the group, right? Um, 
So that that's one way of combating the scheduling issue is just expand the player pool. Um, cause you're always going to have like a core group that are there every single week, no matter what, um, because you know, they're young still and don't have responsibilities. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's, that's harsh. They probably do have responsibilities. I'm just being bitter because I get, I can't always play. Um, they've, they've got their, they've got their Nintendos and their yeah, hippity hop. They've music. got their Nintendo switches and their hippity hop. I actually, I listen to hip hop. I can't say that. But yeah, I think scheduling scheduling comes down more to trying to find a way that you can make it work for as many people as possible. Um, and then the players who are a bit more flaky because of commitments um, can dip in and out as necessary. Um, you just have to make sure that you have a catch up with them before they do dip back in, um, rather than having that catch up during the session um because that can frustrate people i i also did the the larger uh player pool thing as well um and the the main reason that most of my games went online was because the gaming group that that kind of ended up coming together we were all in the same industry Mm. myself included and we were all essentially doing shift work where it's like okay yeah this week i've got wednesday off next week i'll have saturday off and there was no no way of organizing everyone together so what i decided to do was right i'm gonna run an ap we're gonna run it online i'm gonna have everything ready and the moment for three or four of us are online it's like right let's jump on for for a few hours and that's how how it began the way it's translated now that one, two, three, four of us have kind of moved off into in different industries mm. where we do have more regular um, patterns. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of come to, okay, we're going to play every Monday and every Wednesday yeah. now. And if those people that still have these, these very strange sporadic sort of rotors um, can't make it, then we'll just, you know, we'll just carry on without yeah. them. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm definitely contemplating a limited return to face to face play. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's going to be uh, when I run my Delta Green campaign. I'm thinking of doing that. Yeah. Um, so it is it is. It is something to scheduling is always going to be it a is, problem. Yeah. It's it, for this for this hobby in terms of a time frame. I think if you hit six months in a game, you're in. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, once you once you kind of hit the six-month mark, um, you're definitely in. I think you'll be able to tell after a month whether whether it's got any legs. Yeah, I, I think I think what you said earlier as well is, is absolutely spot on. Like, if your players are constantly, uh, you know, chasing you for the next session, they're definitely invested, right? If you're the one yeah. constantly chasing them, Mm, not so much and maybe maybe it's worth having a chat with them about about it right because it could just be that because you're messaging them they don't feel the need to message you that's always you know that is a possibility because if you're messaging them on monday and they were going to message you on tuesday you've already messaged them they don't need to message you right um so it's it's something to to look at um but i definitely think if you're having to chase the players to organize a session it it's um 
it's a good indicator that maybe they're not fully feeling it yet. Um, and might be worth having a conversation about any tweaks that you could make to get them a bit more invested. Um, personally for myself, I tend not to message my GM at all about the game because I like to keep the game in its own little bubble in my head, because again, the way my ADHD brain works, if I get too invested in something, I go down a rabbit hole and then I burn myself out on it. Um, Mm. so I like to kind of, uh, I very much cut. Uh, compartmentalize that's a really hard word to say for some reason um those kind of elements in my life because i don't want to go down that rabbit hole and burn myself out because i yeah, really that's, enjoy the game that's also <laughs> i mean for me i'll probably message somebody a couple of times yeah. okay yeah we're playing tonight if you want to join yeah. fair enough after that it's yeah i stop yeah and i mean I, i've been on the receiving end of that right because i've been in a couple of your games where um you know i really enjoyed the, the game stuff, but it just wasn't for me or the scheduling didn't work for me. And you would, you would hit me up a couple of times and then you would just kind of stop messaging me because I wasn't partaking and you could kind of feel that maybe I wasn't feeling it or maybe I just didn't have the time and you didn't want to push. And I kind of respect that. So that's why I didn't, you know, be like, Oh, it's stop inviting me. It's like, cause I wasn't coming. <laughs> like I knew why you weren't inviting me anymore. I'd stopped coming. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is important to to kind of um, state that it's a, it's a no no hard feelings. Yeah, no, scenario. of course, yeah, and I, I know that like, as well, know, right? which is why I, I've never had any hard feelings about you. Like like with the that two E game where I'm still an NPC in the game, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> which they slap every fight every time they see him. I love that. They haven't done that. Have they not? Is it? Do you think it's because they no, bumped no. into me in town and they feel bad now because <laughs> they put a face to the name? <laughs> Because <laughs> if but, that's yeah, the they, case, they for a bit, then keep slapping me because I liked stopped. it. <laughs> you heard it. You heard it here first, folks. Justin likes getting slapped. Oh my gosh! I knew you were going to do that the minute I said it as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it, and it, it's one of those things where I think as long as everybody's adult about it, um, there never needs to be an issue in regards to somebody just not feeling a game because people have preferences and it might just not be their preference, right? I've had games where that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, you know, like like everything, you can always kind of boil it down to, to a transactional nature. Yeah. You know, I am quote unquote selling you an experience. Yeah, and I might you... not want that experience. Exactly. If, if, what I am providing doesn't meet your expectations as a player. Yeah. Then it's perfectly fine to kind of go, you know what? I'm going to move yeah. on. And again, it doesn't have to be adversarial. There, there's, there's, I mean, there are countless sort of posts on these Facebook groups that, that I tend mm. to stalk. Yes. I never really interact, but. A lot of them are 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 due to this. Oh, this player, and you know, um, they haven't showed up, and you know, it's just be an adult and fucking talk about it. Yeah, I mean, the the, the one that I see all the time on on those sorts of posts is, oh, I've got one player that just you know at my table they just sit on their phone constantly. It's like, okay, have you spoken to them? No, maybe try that. Instead of (laughs) instead of speaking to random people, don't know what's going on because we're not in that dude's head. Do you know who is in that dude's head? Just... That dude. 
where they're just gonna go oh, kick him out yeah. of the group yeah well i mean that's the thing right that is like the the go-to response of like everyone on those pages it seems is oh i've got this player mm-hmm. that i've got a problem with kick him out why he might be a really good player maybe he's just you know like like myself right i i mean you know this for a fact because you've been at tables with me i spend a lot of time on my phone when i'm playing dnd but it's because of the way my brain works so again because of the you know i mentioned it earlier the adhd elements of of how i function on the daily um one of them is i need to be constantly fidgeting and doing stuff so even now while i'm recording right i've got a bit of plastic for my 3d printer in one hand and a pen that i'm spinning in the other Oh, thank Christ you said that. I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm masturbating. Yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, <laughs> but no, like, I, I've got to constantly be doing stuff with my hands. So when I'm, um, you know, sitting at the table playing, I'm either rolling dice, which I, I know annoys people sometimes because you've got that constant thunk, thunk, click, clack going on next to you when you're trying to concentrate or something like that. So I try to limit that, like, random rolling of dice. So sometimes I will just sit on my phone and... I know that to some people it's very rude, but I'm still able to take in everything that's happening around me. So when it gets around to me, I'm not sitting there going, huh, what, what's going on? Huh? What? And I think that's the difference. Like if the player is still paying attention to what's going on, but they have their phone in their hand or something like that, then it's not the end of the world. Right. Um, it's when yeah. they're, cause I, I've had players in a group where they're sitting on their phone the whole time and it gets around to them. And then you go, what are you doing? And they're like, huh, what, what's going on? Um, what, uh, I'll, oh everyone's attacking it i'll just attack it then like they're just not paying attention and that's where you might have somebody who's not invested no yeah that that is um that's a that's a dead giveaway um when somebody's turn comes around and their question is that what's going on it's like (laughs) but as a gm you you need to be able to curtail that Mm -hmm. as well you need to be able to kind of go i I need you to pay attention And again, it, it comes right. back to do whatever you need to do. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> just I need you to pay attention. Put on your big boy but pants yeah. and have the conversation. It's weird that we are giving people advice on. I know. Advice. <laughs> I I feel dirty and not oh, in the good way. It's funny. Ah, is it, it though? Is. It's funny for me. <laughs> I find it sad. But. I'm going to relinquish my power now, and I think it's. Uh, I, I think we've answered Couch's question pretty well. There, I think we. I, I think, think we've we have. Well, I think so. we have. Um, we shall okay, move on so... to to the question that John knows nothing about for a change. You can you can ask me the question from the betrayer. I can and I will. So are you going to give me? Are you going to give me a name? There, there is a name on here. Um, so the, the, this question comes from uh, Sci-Fi from the place where the kobolds quake in fear. How the fuck did he just message? How the, how did he manage to just message? Ah, Facebook. Facebook. He has sent me a message on Facebook, Facebook. Messenger. No. Uh, the message reads, Hi, still Justin. Just playing in John's game at the lodge this afternoon and had a blast. So there you go, some praise for you there. You had a blast. Uh, we're talking to him beforehand about submitting a question for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you for that. Um, he thought it would be a good idea to turn the tables on you and submit the question to me. And here is his question. As per your reputation for being a brutal GM, (laughs) what advice would you give a GM that wants to spice up their games with a few fatalities? I like this question. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Now, I actually have some thoughts on this because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot because I've had very few fatalities in my games. 
And I feel like it, it's bred a culture of people that play in my games to not be overly invested in the combats because they don't feel there's any repercussions, right? Uh, well, not just the combats, just situations in general. There's not really any uh, repercussions. And I think that that would be my first thing is make sure there are repercussions for their actions. Yeah, you are you are very correct on that. Um, I think because I, I went a long time before I killed a character. A long, long Respectfully time. Respectfully disagree. Yeah, dude. Like a long time in my GMing experience. Wait, wait, didn't you kill it? Like, no, the Skulls and Shackles campaign, you killed a character in like session three. Who the fuck did I kill? Um, I'm sure you killed somebody. No, I'm not entirely sure I did. But anyway, we digress. If we, we digress. go down, yeah. If, yeah, if we go down that rabbit hole, we're going to be a dangerous rabbit hole. Sat here for an hour. We're going to be ringing Scott. Sat here for an hour, kind of just going, yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's fucking get Scott. Where are you? <laughs> um, what I, what I did, um, and I still kind of need to do a bit more. Is I, I remove the training wheels because at the end of the day, a lot of times. Don't like, I'm actually going to start that again. Um, there are people out there who make it their mission to kill characters. Yes. Um, and it is easily done. You know, you are a GM, you hold the power, you can kill any character at any yeah. point. Now, I don't like playing like that. I've got no interest in playing like that. However, what I stopped doing was saving them yes so when things went wrong because you know things can go wrong because of bad decisions because of bad dice rolls because of good dice rolls from my part from i've just happened to use really good tactics that have caught people unaware and a lot of times what i used to do is i used to give people more and more chances to survive you know, I'd go from focusing on one character. Oh, now this creature's gonna, and I'd roll a dice to see which character this this creature attacked, and all this. And I kind of stopped doing that to a certain degree. Um, I stopped, you know, using the Deus Ex Machina way of of saving people's characters. Um, essentially it was, okay, training wheels are off and now let the dice lay where they fall. And I I think as well, something else you touched on there as well is, um, having the, the enemies kind of move away from people just because they've downed them or something like that. I think another thing to, to keep in mind when you are DMing is these creatures and characters that you're playing are meant to be real creatures and characters, right? They're not just an NPC in a video game, right? That's like programmed by AI. Um, they are meant to be living, breathing things for the most part. Obviously, some of them are like statues or whatever, but you get my point. So yeah. treat them as such, right? If you, if you're, um, you know, if you're throwing a, a group of kobolds at your your players, right? Kobolds are never going to win a fight straight up. They know that, 
So how would a group of creatures that want to win this fight because they want to survive, how would they overcome that? Well, they're going to be smart about it, right? They're going to leave traps or they're going to, they're going to just flood them with numbers to overwhelm them. They're going to find a way to survive. Now, I wouldn't say just flood them with numbers because that's a really shitty way to die as a player from experience. Um, but finding something like, oh, well, these kobolds are going to fight in a way that makes it easier for them to win by fighting in a cave that they know. So they know the lay of the land. They're going to use that lay of the land to their advantage, right? They, they're going to have maybe traps prepared or um, just, just other things that are going to help them to to win this this encounter that they, they're they about to have. Um, and that, that's a big one for me that when I started treating the NPCs as pre like living, breathing entities. Um, it introduces a lot more risk and stuff to actions that players are having, because again, that, that interaction in the tavern where, you know, they, you know, start being really shitty to the bar staff, that's going to have repercussions in real life, right? If I walk down to a pub and I start talking shit to the girl behind the bar, the regulars are going to kick the shit out of me. So why do yeah. we not put that in our games? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, and that, that's the other thing, that the world revolves... The world revolves regardless of the players yes. or not. Um, what they do has an effect. Everything they do has an yeah. effect. And another thing I've started doing is I've stopped warning players. Yeah. Uh, at least try to. I still do on occasion, but... A lot of times, if they want to do something which is going to be massively detrimental, a lot of times I'll just yeah. let them do it. But then there will be re repercussions because of it. And they're repercussions that, that they're going to have to deal with. And like you were saying with, with creatures, you play. I try play them as organically as yeah. possible. If there are a group of people who are attacking you one of them is the biggest and the strongest well you know these creatures even if they're animalistic in nature they are going to have some form of tactic where it's like he's the biggest right four of us are going to attack that yeah. one whereas we're going to try pick off the small or maybe even pick off the smaller looking ones mm. first if they're dealing with an npc especially if it's an npc caster He's going to point out, oh, that person may have healing abilities. Yeah. Let's target yeah, exactly. them. And it's just about using every combat organically yeah. and seeing the, the, the foes that are being encountered and just kind of going, right, what would these realistically do? And, and the, the example that first springs to mind is moving on after knocking a player out yeah. not all creatures would do that no i mean i think for, for the most part as well most of them wouldn't um no you know, it, it's like leaving leaving somebody on the floor who's unconscious is inherently something that you would do if you had that little element in your conscience uh, conscience that says that's a bad thing don't do that Whereas if you're trying to survive, you don't want to risk that guy getting back up. You end no. him there and then before yeah. you move on. 
because especially in a world where healing exists right at the snap of a finger somebody can get back up they know this this is not like unknown knowledge to things in this world right because the magic isn't just it's it exists it's well known unless you're playing like a lot yeah. of magic world right that's a different different kind of fish um but for the most part in like D and pathfinder and those high fantasy magic worlds um or even in the sci-fi worlds there's a lot of them that have like some kind of healing element because it's important to these kind of games to have one because let's be honest if you don't then you have a game like stars without uh stars without number and you die every five seconds if you get into combat yeah um which again is another way of doing it making combat very realistic you get into combat you're going to die <laughs> um, yeah i mean so yeah i, I think it's I... it's definitely just to to me making them living breathing entities and treating them as things that want to survive is a good way i think for i think for me it all boils down to can i justify this character's death yeah you know can i can i look back on the combat and kind of go yeah there is no other way that yeah. could have gone you know i have been um accused of stacking um the forces against them but then my justification was right you guys decided to go in through a front you, door and face combat after combat after you kicked down the front door screaming was, we're here what do you think was gonna happen yeah <laughs> when there was a side door which would have let you bypass yeah. a lot of that you know and i'm not gonna move things about i, I set these things up mm. and you know if if they want to go in guns blazing proverbially speaking then it's going to be a hard yeah. time now, don't get me wrong moving trying to stealth into a certain position that's also going to be difficult but it's a lot less risky it's going to be difficult yeah, in exactly. a different way you know yeah. i mean in rise of the rune lords they there was this area where it had like three underground floors and somehow they managed to find the big bad boss that in their first venture down <laughs> realized oh shit we need to move but as they moved they went through other parts of this dungeon <laughs> and it ended up being a fucking free-for-all on the top level where i had about four encounters all at once coming yeah. for them and because that i wasn't just gonna have a group of i think it was goblins at the time just sitting around and oh look there goes the the guys we'll we're just facing. stay here and wait it's like no let's let's exactly go fuck yeah them up. and I, I think and it was still to this day one of the most memorable <laughs> combats that there has been because it was just batshit insane yeah. and they managed to survive but you know good dice rolls and, and what yeah I, I think like that that, that is what it really boils down to is just giving that sense of consequence because if you if everything that they do has a consequence then when you get to that player death it's going to feel like it was for a reason because everything has had consequence up till that point right um yeah. whereas if you do just like you know kill them out of the blue for you know whatever it's always going to feel a bit like really did you have to because it wasn't 
that wasn't the culture of the game at that point. However, that being said, um, it is important to realize that no matter what your justification is, you will always be the oh, bad absolutely. guy. And, you know, I've come to terms with that. Although, I, I, I don't you know, know about that. I, I think every, every character death that I've ever had, I've agreed with. Um, because I knew that it was a bad idea to do what I was doing. But that's, it would, it's exactly what the character would have done in that situation. So I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't blame the DM for it because it was a decision I made based on the character that I'd built. Yeah, but you make some stupid decisions. I do decisions. make some stupid decisions. <laughs> We're not here to discuss my decisions, all right? <laughs> We're here to discuss this fantastic no, I... question. No, I think... I think it all boils down to, by all means, make things deadlier. <laughs> by all means, increase the stakes. But don't cross over to being a professional character killer because that that does put a dampener yeah. on the game and that does kind of kill people's enjoyment. People that never people are never gonna be happy their character died. So as long as you can justify it, as long as, you know, if ever scrutinized, you can kind of say, well, this is what happened. You know, this is what happened. These are the decisions I made and I stand yeah. by them. Then by all means, go for it. Because I mean, like to, to, to just kind of play the other side of that as well. I've been in situations where um, I've been in a campaign and a player didn't die when everyone felt like they should have. And again, that, that eats away at the immersion of it because everyone at the table is going like, no, they, they, they should absolutely be dead. But they weren't because a GM pulled a punch, right? Um, yeah. And that can kind of also ruin it a little bit for me because then you kind of feel like, well, now there really is no consequence because that character should absolutely, without a doubt, be dead. Um, yeah. And they're not. So what else can I get away with? <laughs> well, to be honest, that was my first like that was when i was starting out gming that was i i pulled a lot of punches well aware i appreciate it <laughs> but thank you thank you for that great question sci-fi amazing question um i'm curious mm -hmm. though um i am curious and i will mm -hmm. ask him um if that question was written after i downed his character during that uh, game, when did you down his character uh it was to what so it was in the afternoon it would have been maybe three oh, no. thirty to was, four o'clock it was just before seven o'clock he sent me the question oh so they, they this was disgruntled <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um but that being said i will say that yes you do kill your fair share of characters but i would say that every single one of your character deaths that i've seen was valid i believe so including too. the my delta green one because that one was just fucking hilarious <laughs> we need we to do. get back we into do. that, that. um um but yeah i you know i i at least can justify yeah. them i can i can go over those deaths and kind of go yeah that you know that mm -hmm. made sense and I'm not saying that players necessarily agree with me, but <laughs> for my own peace of mind. I think that that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. As long as you're satisfied that it went as well as it could have, then that's fine. 
because players are always going to get upset. Well, that was a yes. fantastic question. So thank you to Sci-Fi. Um, and thank you to yes. Couch. And also thanks to you, Justin, for, for joining me. And I just want to send a massive thank you out to everyone. But first of all, um, Justin, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? So you can find me in most places as Just An Accurate TV. Uh, and of course, uh, you can find me on our Facebook group where you can send me a message to wind up John if you would like to send a question to me directly. And <laughs> uh, just going to throw that one out there because I enjoyed having that power this week. I understand why he doesn't tell me the questions ahead of time now. <laughs> it, it is, is good, it's so though, good. isn't it? So you can find me on most social media sites at Natural Juan. And obviously, like Justin mentioned, we do have our Facebook group. Um, let's keep active in that. Let's keep talking to each other. Um, if you like what you hear, don't hesitate to leave us a review and a rating because that's how we grow. That's how we reach more people. And that's how more people can go behind my back ah, and ask Justin questions instead of amazing. me. amazing. <laughs> But yeah, I just want to say thank you to everyone for taking time out of your That's busy days you. to to listen to us and keep rolling. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you guys all next time. <laughs> <laughs>